This is the EWN Podcast Network. You are sharing stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Carrie Cust. Carrie is a self-love and intimacy coach and has a very interesting journey and it's not what you think. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. You have a, a pretty interesting story, my friend. Yes, um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> let's start off with, with where, what your, kind of what your background is and what, how that has led you to what you're doing today. Oh, so a little, um, in a nutshell, I guess, if I could put it in one. Uh, so I had a pretty, um, you know, I would say, normal quote-unquote life I was you know married I worked in human resources um, for a big well-known company and you know life was looking like it was pretty good you know I had sort of the man I had the good job I was progressing in my career uh, went on vacations we just bought a big house and then you know the plan was filling it with babies and I really started to experience the discomfort of my comfort zone. So it was difficult for me to, you know, pinpoint what was going on. And I was, you know, battling or dealing with depression. And I didn't know why I was depressed. I was like, well, this is what everyone, this is what you're told to do or to want. And growing up, I didn't have sort of that that upbringing. Um, I grew up with a single mother and I had a uh, two brothers that were much younger than me, and especially the youngest one, you know, I almost like helped raise. And so I just, growing up, I wanted sort of, when I was going to, you know, when I was older, I wanted to have sort of this stability. I wanted to do everything quote unquote right. I wanted to, you know, be married and, you know, all that stuff. And so when this was starting to feel really off, where I was just, you know, why, you know, I was just wondering well, why this is sort of everything that I've been um, trying to get and now I have it and so um, a lot of things in my life seemingly sort of fell into place you know things with the job or progressing in the house and and I was like why am I so why am I still experiencing this depression because I had sort of uh, kind of given other excuses to it and I had never really reflected on my marriage and finally then I gave myself permission to be like okay is it my relationship And in that moment, it's like my whole body, it was like, finally, like I clicked in and I was like, oh God, I don't want to be married anymore. And then at first I was just like, okay, well, I I don't like that realization and that has to not be the case. So what am I going to do about that? So I called every counseling city uh, center, excuse me, in, um, in the city. That's not an exaggeration. And people were telling me, they're like, it sounds like you really have made your decision and there's one woman that says well do you think there's a chance at reconciliation and I knew the answer but what I said was yes and I could feel like this pit in my stomach this thing just drop and I knew that I had to go and so uh, one night I had the very painful discussion to you know tell my then husband that I didn't want to be married anymore and I that was excruciating you know choosing yourself there's a pain in choosing yourself And so that was really difficult. And I sort of went on as things went on the next couple of weeks, I sort of had this naive sort of thought of like, hey, well, getting divorced. And so now I'm just going to have my eat, pray, love journey. 
and I'm going to go maybe travel and meet a new man and marry him and it'll be all better and whatever. And I remember getting a phone call from my still then husband a few weeks, about three weeks after I had left. And I was driving to the gym and he's like, you know, you should pull over. And my grandparents had were trying to get a hold of me and I wasn't really sure what was going on. So I pulled over and he told me that he, he said, you know, Nicholas, Nicholas killed himself and Nicholas is my youngest brother. And in that moment, it was just like, I hit, I was like, I got hit by a truck and I just so could see the, like, see myself sort of spinning into this really dark place. And I was fortunate enough to be, to have some, have done some sort of more emotional, more inner personal work and had, a, <clears throat> excuse me, been very, um, you know, would say that I was very still, but even then a more spiritual person. And so I knew that it was happening for a reason. And so, you know, dealing with that and doing a lot, really delving into doing my own personal inner work, healing, um, doing that. And then about a year after that, just over a year after the death of my brother, I, I kind of did have my eat, pray, love journey. So I sold everything I owned and got my, all my possessions down to two suitcases and I traveled and I went to, um, I got a work visa in Australia, but before that I did a 10 day silent retreat in Malaysia and I went um, to Bali, which is magical. And, uh, and then I ended up living in Thailand for three months. And I, my goal there was, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do yoga. And I actually found myself living in a tantric community um, which was, you know, not planned or not expected. And I was exposed to and learned a lot about, uh, more about spirituality and how sexuality is part, um, can be part of that. And looking at my relationship with my femininity, um, you know, looking at sort of the, the female aspect of God, looking at my own sensuality, getting into my own body and all of this. And that was really what transformed which really sort of set the stage for everything that I'm doing now. And um, so I went to Australia and then I was always coming back to Thailand doing more trainings and more learning more. And then I lived overseas in the United in, in the UK. And then I was always coming back and then I got the opportunity to live in Thailand full time for a year and a half. And so that's what I was, you know, immersed in. And then I felt the call about 2018, I came back to Calgary and um, you know, I was, remember driving around on like this beautiful island on my scooter and it's like the weather is gorgeous and I was like are you sure you want me to go back and I could just feel this pull like it was time to go home come home so that is um that is sort of my story in a nutshell and that's what got me on on the path of doing what I'm doing now wow okay so I have a few questions I'm I'm sure you uh are not the uh first or nor are you the last uh person uh, men and women I imagine once we tick the boxes and that's the thing, we kind of have a plan. It's to yeah. be married. It's to have children. It's to have the white picket fence and, you know, and, and that, and that's perfectly fine for people who want that and are happy with that. So once you've ticked the boxes though, and then you've made the decision um, to uh, change it, that's a pretty big upheaval. That's not like just moving to another town. You're now uh, facing a lot of loss. Uh, it, potentially I would imagine for what you thought your future was going to be. And then when these little bits start coming into your brain about this is not working, this is not working, uh, and, and discovering that 
must be frightening. You know, you kind of, you kind of went over it uh, fairly uh, quickly. I, I realize that in a nutshell, and you did say that. But at what point did you feel a relief? And I'm not talking about Nicholas's uh, passing because that must have been even a more, I mean, to throw that into the upheaval. Uh, oh, my gosh. So at what point were you standing there going, what am I going to do? Oh, well, I, I think when I, when I had the realization that I didn't want to be married anymore and I had the knowing, I had the knowing that I had to go, that was, you know, that is excruciating. That was, you know, because not only, you know, I can make a decision for myself and things can, you know, I can handle things from, but to how I, how that decision impacted someone else and hurt someone else. But, you know, I go back to, that knowing that inner, that inner pull that I just, I felt it so strongly. It was like, you know, I believe that we always have choice, but in that moment, it was like, I felt it so strong that it's almost like I didn't have choice. Like I really, I really had to go. And I know, I knew that if I didn't make that choice, it was like part of me would, part of me would die. You know, I I would just sort of, and and I would become this woman that, you know, I wouldn't want to be like, I wouldn't want to be like this, naked miserable wife that picks at her husband and makes him feel bad and you know and bring children into that and so I could see all that and then I think after the death of and even though and even in the pain when I made the decision to leave there was a moment of like of relief because I, I knew I had to do it and I wasn't you know holding on to this um um this no. um Notion. anxiety what yeah this no and um, holding on to this, you know, I can't, I can't let this go. And so, uh, so there was a relief in that and it was painful at the same time. And so, and then I think after my brother's passing, I just, I was like, I knew enough to know it's like, okay, you know, I believe in, you know, if whether you want to call it God or the universe or something, it's like, I knew, I believe that there's a, a pattern, there's an order to things and that things are, you know, that there's reasons that things are happening. I really didn't like that reason because that was really, you know, in many ways, the love of my life, but it was, I knew that that was, there was a purpose. And when I started to really uncover and do my own work, I really saw sort of all the settling and all the limiting beliefs and every, you know, I was, I was going down this sort of path where it's like, and nothing was really fulfilling and I wasn't making a conscious choice for me. And, and like you said, the white picket fence, that idea, it's like, that might work for a lot of people, but I think you have to make a conscious choice and to feel like that that's what you want going kind of unconsciously and kind of, um, finding yourself in this situation. That's when it's a little bit dangerous. So we just need to be a little bit more conscious and make conscious choice because it's not a, it's not a bad quote unquote path. It, it is for some people, but it's not for all. So I just had like this knowing that stayed with me that even though it was the, the, everything was so painful and my foundation of everything I thought in that, that I knew everything in a split second, my whole life just looked completely different from one month to the next. And, but it was just like, I had this knowing that, yeah, I had this. Well, I, you know, I understand that, you know, when I was married, um, I, um, I was, um, probably, oh my gosh, you know, looking back and it's always, you have to be careful because you think it's 2020, but you know, I think six months into my marriage, I mean, I was in love with my husband, but 
I wasn't in love with being with, uh, I think we, neither one of us really explored what, what that uh, marriage meant to each other. And so what happened was, I mean, we had some really good times in our marriage for sure. And he was lovely, but at the end of the day, I even, you know, ran off to Guatemala for a couple of weeks to really decide whether I wanted to stay in that lot. And and the thing was, is that I had never really wanted to be married before that. And, uh, you know, kind of tossed it around and it was like, no, it really wasn't for me. And so I waited until I was 41 to get married. And then all of a sudden I'm in it and I'm like, oh, this isn't what I it's going to be, but to be fair, it wasn't about, it wasn't about me or him. It really was. I don't think we really explored or took the time to um, stay on that path together. It was kind of like, like, well, like you say, when you tick the boxes, okay, I'm going to get married, click. And it's like, what does that actually mean? Because you don't have to lose yourself. You don't have to give up your dreams, you know, and if you're with a partner that is, um, really supportive of that. Um, I mean, that's, that's great, but that doesn't come without a lot of work. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, what, what was coming to me when you were talking is that how important it is to really know, like, what are those dreams? Like, what are your desires? What are things that you value? What's really important to you? Because if I look back at when I was married, I wasn't meeting any of my values. I wasn't feeling how I wanted to feel at all. And it's like, that's why it didn't work. So there's things that we need to know about ourselves to go, okay, I need to be in alignment with these things or something's going to be off and it's not going to work. But then in my situation, it's like, I really didn't know anything about myself. I just wanted to sort of be married and have this, you know, what I thought stability um, that marriage would bring me, but that didn't really turn out. <laughs> so right, and anyway. if you aren't happy, and you know, I, I, you know, I know that happiness comes from within. But let's get real. You know what? When you're with a partner, you do look, you do look to them to find yeah. a measure of your happiness, and that's okay. There is absolutely nothing. I mean, that feels good to give to another human yeah. being to make them happy. But if you aren't happy, how the heck is someone else going to be? Yeah, I think that's really. And I saw like, Will Smith sort of. share share a video and they were he's talking about his his marriage and he got to a point where he's like okay it is no longer my job to make you happy it's like we still as individuals have to take that responsibility um on ourselves and so you know if I look back at my situation it's like I was just so unconscious and so unaware of like really what is required of a relationship of marriage and what and what I need to be aware of for myself before and know what I'm bringing to the table and what I need and what's important to me. And I think, I mean, I met him when I was 21. And so to me, it was just like getting the man was sort of the goal. And then after a while, I was like, okay, well, this isn't really working. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I think that's where it comes back of just like doing that sort of that inner work and that inner reflection is so key for yourself. And then if you choose to be in relationship, it's like, knowing like, Hey, this is things I'm going to need. And this, these are things I'm willing to make these sacrifices, but I'm not willing to settle for, or not have these certain things in my life, or this is where I need to be in alignment. So, so say you get married and 
Yeah, I mean, 2141, just for the record, doesn't really matter because you go into it with full on on that day, I believe. For me, on that day, I was fully um, uh, present with, with the situation and wanted to be there and was really happy to be there. And so what, you know, what he brought to the table was a family. I had already had, now I, I, you know, I had my son, which was wonderful, but now I got two more and I had two more stepdaughters. And so all of a sudden I had this family and I mean, I have always, family's been always very important to me and it was something that's always been elusive uh, to me. So I was really thrilled to be able to have, you know, I loved our dinner times and, you know, we didn't, we don't have TV in our living room and we, we really have intentional conversations. And I mean, I really loved that piece. Um, I may have wanted to mention that to my husband because his, his idea was the stability of having someone there. And I'm not, it's not a criticism. That's what, what uh, he thought would feed his soul. Um, and it didn't. And so we were on the same path, but we weren't even on the same freaking, <laughs> you know, and it, and it was, that's when you start to beat yourself up going, how the heck did I get? So here's my question. Mm-hmm. Can you, or do you work with couples that are in that situation when they're realizing that, oh my gosh, we may not be on the same path, but I really love you. They have that fear of not wanting to leave. Um, because I, I think human beings really do like to be um, with um, each other and have that support system. Can you change it if you're in a marriage where you're kind of on the path or is it doomed because? Um, well, I think that... I wouldn't necessarily say it was, it was doomed. I just think, well, like when I, cause I work with, you know, singles and couples and when I'm looking, you know, a couple comes and it's like, Hey, this isn't working or this is working well. And this isn't working or, you know, sort of lost the, they're just not really in alignment on a lot of things. It's really the amount of sort of the individual work that I do within a couple session. And there's things that of course we do together, but there is a lot of like, a foundational piece, I think, for working with couples and working with um, and sing, and you know individuals is like really knowing what it is that you value. So, for example, if I look at my marriage, or when I yeah when I was married, so my values, which I was totally unaware of then, courage, liberation, belonging, beauty, and intimacy. So if that's why it didn't work. I didn't have my expression of courage. I wasn't liberated. I was actually the, you know, the total opposite of experience liberation. I didn't feel like I belonged. So if I would have maybe been aware of those values, I would, you know, I could, you know, maybe make a more conscious choice of who I married or if it, or him and I could look at each other's values and it's like, Hey, how are we going to work? How are we going to, bring these together to serve some sort of purpose, the purpose of our relationship, whatever each couple decides. And so I think a lot of um, people, it's like, well, what's the purpose of your relationship? And they don't really know. It's like really identifying, like, is it family? Is it intimacy? Is it maybe, you know, just companionship or is it growth or is it, you know, having something to work towards and looking at each other's values and it's like, okay, well, how do we, how are you in alignment with yours and I'm in alignment with mine and we can get them to work together and so oftentimes if there's a disagreement or there's, you know, challenges happening in a relationship and it's like, well, some of the value, someone's not aligned with their values. So how can we 
work with that to bring people into alignment so we're both sort of getting our needs met. Yeah, I think and when you've got two distinct individuals together, you know, there has to be a compromise when you're and you know, hopefully in a in a, you know, wave your wand kind of world, magic wand kind of world, um you both share the same values. And it's not about being right or wrong. It's about is this going to work? Because let's face it, once the honeymoon uh, phase is over, but you better really like each other and you better have figured out how you can communicate. So um, I think there has to be a, a, a level of emotional intelligence on either side to recognize that it's okay to say, you know what, um, I'm just going to take off for a week and you know, go visit some friends without it being uh, a slight to the other person. Right. Well, I think, uh, you know, definitely. And I think any sort of emotional awareness or emotional intelligence is key in any relationship. And, you know, no, especially for yourself of knowing what it is that you need and what is really important. And um, so, yeah, that, that is definitely the key in being able to express your needs, express, to, be, to be able to be aware of and know what it is that you're feeling. Because oftentimes we don't even know. It's like someone says something and we sort of just let it you know, it just sits there and then it builds and then something else is said. And then we get sort of to this point where, you know, in sessions, it's like we have to sort of pop this boil of resentment. And so, but if we have the um, emotional awareness of like what it, what it is that we need and what we, you know, are what we desire, then we can communicate that. But if we don't, if we have no awareness around what we're feeling, what we need, why something isn't working, then we can get in a really kind of sticky situation. Well, and that's when pointing fingers comes in. Oh, he does this, she does that, blah, blah, blah. blah. And that is just not healthy for anyone. No, and I, and I, and I say, whenever, wherever a relationship is at, like let's say a relationship in a, isn't in a great place because of whatever variety of reasons, both people got, got the relationship there. It's never one person's fault. Yeah, so absolutely. that's something to, to remember. It's just like, you know, looking at your part. And so if I look at my marriage, I could say, oh, I, you know, he was this kind of guy and I wasn't happy and da, da, da. But it's like, I was totally unaware of my needs completely. And I didn't, I wasn't communicating. I wasn't aware. I was just going along to this point where it's like built, built, built. And then I was out. And so, you know, I had no awareness like this. I, you know, in a, in a, you know, it's still sort of, kind of hurts to say, but it's like this, my husband, it was like me, me leading was a bit of a blind side. And so that's what part of it was so painful. But if I, you know, my contribution to that is just, I didn't, I, there was no awareness. I wasn't really aware of what I was feeling. I wasn't even aware that I was feeling. It's like, so this is that, that knowing yourself and doing sort of that inner healing and all that stuff is really, really important. So yeah. yeah. Uh, it's really interesting because I think it, it you know, we are, we are so uh, fed by um, the media and Hollywood about the perfect relationship. Oh, you fulfill me and oh, you do. And we have become so unrealistic. Uh, I don't even know if it's new, Carrie. I mean, I don't know how many marriages that have been together for 50 years that are truly uh, there because they want to be or because they've settled into a pattern of familiarity and they, they don't want that 
you know, stigma attached to being divorced and, you know, it breaks up families and people pick sides and you lose friends. And, you know, I mean, it's all such a mishy-mashy of emotions. I mean, we really are quite fragile as human beings, aren't we? You know, anytime, whether in relationship or not, it's just living that life of my mentor, uh, Diane Tharp, talks about like living like frame lives, like, you know, as women, sometimes being the good girl or having the successful like corporate career you know all these frames that we're told to be it's like when we you know it takes a lot of courage to sort of step out of this and live what she calls like live framelessly but that really like whenever we go against those shoulds you know it that that really takes a lot of courage that takes a lot of balls to do that to really to live authentically and you know really there is a pain in choosing yourself and I but I think from for, for me and from what I've seen with clients that I worked worked with, it's like it's it's worth the journey to live, and that doesn't mean leave your spouse. Just I just want to clarify, but just making a choice, a conscious choice to be in that sort of to be to live authentically, to live a life that's really yours and not one that people or your family has said this is what it should look like. That takes a lot of courage, but I think that's where real that fullness and that aliveness of life can really come in because these frames that all these shoulds that we have in our life is just, it just really stifles and can almost kill who we really are and who we were really meant to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're just going to take a quick break because now we want to talk about the intimacy side to this uh, just so, because I think that's a really important piece um, to talk about. You are listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Carrie Cust. Uh, We will be right back. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is 1 million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back. You are listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Carrie Cust. Um, Carrie, let's talk about the intimacy part because I think most people, when they hear that word intimacy, they're, they're right down to the basic of, you know, uh, human... Um, uh, well, let's just say it. But whenever I hear intimacy, I think sex. Yes. And um, yes, it's very common. So um, yeah, when I say I'm an intimacy coach, it's like, oh, I'm just like, well, there's actually a lot more to it than, than that. But sex is a part of it. But I think there's, um, um, there's a big spectrum and how I then are um, describing intimacy or defining intimacy um, you know, one of my teachers describes it as feeling what is there to be felt, like fully. So it's like the importance of feeling and 
being able to feel fully within a really vulnerable state to be seen in your vulnerability in all aspects of your, you know, your good, bad, ugly, and divine aspects, showing that to someone and really being received and, um, and having that person do the same thing. So intimacy requires a lot of vulnerability and it's being in those situations and feeling it fully, feeling everything that's feeling the insecurity, feeling the fear, feeling the hope of, you know, whatever, feeling the being received, feeling the love, the acceptance. And that is, you know, talk about courage. Like that is really, that is really it. And I think, you know, I, the definition there, I was more in aspect to relationship, but the intimacy, the relationship that you have with yourself of really knowing who, who you are and knowing sort of your, your good, bad, ugly, and divine aspects of yourself and accepting that fully, that is really a key piece to maybe intimacy with a partner or intimacy with a friend. Cause then it's like, we really know who we are and what we want and we can make choices to be in alignment with things that are, that resonate with us or people that are um, in alignment with who we truly are. Yeah. And you know, we often have that with our best friends, right? And so, you know, we have, we all have a best friend and we've known for years and years or maybe not years and years, but you know, we, we know each other's um, ins and outs and what makes them happy. And, and when you're really down or having a horrible day, the, you pick up the phone and you vent. And um, for some reason, we don't seem to want to do it with our partners because, uh, you know, the very person we should be the most vulnerable with is A, ourselves, and B, our partner. And we're not. We're, we're like that with our friends. That's why we go to our friends when, you know, you're in a relationship, you're not happy, and you go to your friends. And really, the person you should be going to is your partner. Right. Where yeah. does that fear come in? Why, why is that? Is that that fear of what? Well, I think the... You know, it comes from, you know, at any point, this is, this is the key I, I find of sort of doing that more inner emotional work, because really, if we look at our childhoods, there's a lot, when we, we're in, when we don't really um, do a lot of healing or a lot of awareness, it's like our inner child is sort of running the show, and somehow we're repeating some sort of patterns from our childhood or something. So there's, um, there's some there's some fear that's rooted in there. And um, so I think that plays a big part. So what I would say is that if we look at, as an individual, if we look at ourselves, the good, bad, ugly, and divine parts of ourselves, we need to first be aware of what that is and become, um, be aware of what that is and sort of accept that, hey, this is our light and shadow aspects fully. And oftentimes, you know, if we are sharing something with someone, if we haven't come to a full acceptance of who we are, it's like we can't really, then there's a fear to show it, to show it with someone else. But if I own that part and I know, okay, yes, I have these great qualities and I have these not great qualities and I'm still this whole imperfect person, then we can bring that to relationship and are more willing. But I think if there's so much shame and fear around who we really are and what our desires are, then we're really going to have a hard time in any sort of relationship. So it's really making, coming to a place of acceptance and loving yourself in all, in all your aspects. And if we don't, if we still have, again, you know, that shame around maybe certain desires or, 
you know, wanting, um, yeah, wanting something or some sort of connection, then if there's shame around it, then we have a lot of challenge. It can be really difficult to ask for what we need. And especially if we don't think that that's okay, if it means something. Well, and if you, if you've grown up in a family, um, as I did, where it was extraordinarily unhealthy, you know, my father was an alcoholic. My mother was, um, uh, I, I've never even figured her out. She was cold and unhappy and it all fell on to the family, the children that we were the, re- and right on, until her, you know, dying day, she emphatically used to state that the kids were the reason her marriage was so miserable. And it was, you know, I look back on hearing those words as a, as a young young girl thinking, oh my gosh, like, boy, that doesn't get into your psyche. So, you know, that's the the very piece where, so say that is an example. Someone comes to you and says that, you know, I, I really don't have a good framework. And that doesn't mean that everyone has come from a home like that doesn't have a good framework because there's lots that do, but, um, and you don't want to go into that blame bit. How would you explore something like that? Do you actually go back and talk? Like I, you know me, I, you know, that's what I talk about the most is our little person we carry with us all the time and they can't be in charge. So how do you go back and get that peace with that little one that's still thinking that they're the reason they wrecked their parents' marriage? Right. So I, th- I think that there's a couple things. I think inner child work is really important and it is something that, um, I do. And so there's a lot of through inquiry. So let's say someone wants a relationship where there's always this pattern in a relationship and through sort of inquiry, we sort of identify a limiting belief and a limiting belief comes from, you know, a trauma, usually from our childhood. And so it's like, I had, so uh, like growing up, I had this experience, you know, I like, I always had to work to belong. Like I never felt like I had a place to belong. So it's like that really showed up for me in the rest of in, in my life, especially in relationships, but even outside of that. And so if I look back, if I can get that co- core and be like, oh, that's my limiting belief, then what I use is looking at, um, I use breath work. So a lot of inquiry and then using breath work and having a new learning really what the truth is um, to that belief. So maybe it's like relationships are, you know, X, Y, and Z or whatever. And so we can go in and really start to sort of heal that belief and then we aren't sort of stuck in that, you know, whether, let's say it happened when you were six years old, it's like, we can let that sort of six-year-old, you know, go and go off and play and do his or her own thing, be a child. And now we're not held down by that belief. And then, so that, and that's where we can begin to sort of release patterns that show up, you know, not just in relationship, but other areas of our life as well. So I think doing, um, that inner child work is really important using inquiry using a bit more sort of like breath work energy work to sort of help to release that and then once we release you know those limiting beliefs those things that are holding us sort of hostage or holding us in a certain pattern that we keep repeating again and again and again once we release that then it's like we're more available to sort of um more possibilities and more different experiences and kind of show up to engage in intimacy with a little bit more availability. And when you're saying intimacy, true intimacy is with yourself, knowing yourself fully, or at least being aware. That's kind of the work that I do is like, it's being aware of what your triggers are and those little whispers that are, you know, screaming at you. Like when someone, you know, I always use the example of, I, I just cannot handle someone who's got a resting 
be face because that's the way my mother was all the time. So when I right. see someone and then, you know, and now I've learned that, okay, just because you have that, in fact, I think I have that, <laughs> is, is that the minute they, you're looking for their smile, it's like, okay, hold on. You know what I mean? What I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, yeah. So those, but that is really hard, hard, dig deep work, isn't it, Carrie? Yeah. And it's a, and it's a practice, you know, I just, some, you know, doing sort of this work, there's I almost like this hope that you think it'll just be like, Hey, now that's done. And now I can do this, but it's, it's a continual practice and process. It really is sort of a journey. And it's like, but now that when you're really aware, it's like, Oh, that's my trigger. Okay. It has nothing to do. You know, you don't get caught in reaction and mm-hmm. you're, you have this awareness and you can choose how you respond. And, I love you know, that. Yeah. And, and that's the key. And I think, I think a lot of people get stuck at that point. Um, they want to, they want to kind of step over that bridge of, of not feeling like crap most of the time about something. Um, but to take that step isn't just a step and it is a walk through the mud. You know, I've, I say this constantly, you got to walk through those trenches in order to get to the other side where you're at peace with what happened. Cause it's never going to go away. I mean, that does not go away. The experience is always with you, but like you say, you know, it's the choice of how you want to react, um, in that no moment, because now you're not, you know, as an adult, you're not in that same uh, place of fear as you were with a child. You are, you actually are in control. But I think right. that's the people that really feel. I think people really feel they don't have that control. Well, I think that, um, yeah, like as, as adults, we can make choice, and we can that that experience doesn't go away, but our relationship to it and how we associate it, you know, to it can we can. Uh, shift that relationship and so I I know sometimes with you know working with people and doing sort of that more that really deep inner inner work it can be really like when you start to face that stuff and maybe feel things that you were trying not to feel for so long that is it is really scary and it's like you know your ego wants to protect you and it's like no don't do that but what I know from experience from myself and from working with other people it's just like the release and the lightness and the liberation that happens after that is so worth the sort of going through the trenches, as you say. And I think as we get closer to it, we realize it's almost like the lead up, the fear that's leading up to it is way bigger than actually going through it. It's the anticipation of it, the fear that is difficult. And then once we sort of meet this, feel it, and then we can let it go and we're on the other side. It's almost like, Oh, that's what I was, that's what I was fearing this whole time. And it's like, you know, and that's why, you know, people that do the work, it's like, you want to keep doing the work because you know, the payoff, um, from getting on the other side of that sort of that, um, that lightness that you experience of, you know, things no longer weighing you down, sort of taking off that, you know, hundred pound backpack that you've been carrying around for you, uh, you know, and not life. even realizing you're carrying it. That's the even yeah. that uh, you need to be completely not aware of your fail, not failings, but of your, your um, things that are holding you back. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know how countless people I I've talked to who've gone through that. It's that walking through and it's that the fear is bigger than the actual event. Right. right. And so um, I, you know, I, I zip lined for the first time, I don't know, three or four years ago and I am terrified of heights 
And I thought, I remember saying, I'm, I'm going to go zip lining when we were in um, Belize. And I thought, I'm just going to do it. And so I thought, oh, yeah. And so I, it was fine. That, that decision was like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. Then I get there. <laughs> I'm signed up. I'm going up those stairs. And I was terrified. And I kept thinking, you know, I was talking to myself, just do it, just do this, just do this. And I get up there and I'm just a mess for Pete's sake. And I, I, I did carry through with it. And oh my gosh, the freedom. I know that's just a really simple example, but that freedom of doing that zip line and the feeling of accomplishment and that you survived would be the other part, <laughs> right? But you get to the other side of it and it's like, oh my gosh. And then the next day I thought, okay, now I'm hooked. But yet the second time I did it, and it was even more of the, like the five, you know, the five sections. I don't know if you've ever zip lined, but um, again, I was walking up the, that ladder and, uh, you know, it's like, felt like a thousand feet off the ground. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm familiar with this fear. So, but it didn't stop me. And I think that's the trick. So I did it again. And like I'm completely hooked. But even as, as I'm talking about it, telling you this, I want to do, there's apparently a big zip line in Whistler that I want to do like something like two kilometers long. Even when I'm thinking about it now, and there's no chance, thank God for COVID, because now I don't have to, you know, um, uh, <laughs> walk the talk. Um, but I even feel that anxiety or whatever, that excitement, butterflies or whatever it is. Um, but I, I, I'll do it. I'll be terrified, but I'm going to do it. And I think that's where that freedom comes. So when you're talking about, you know, going through experiences that you've lived with as a child or, you know, whatever, whatever your, your experiences are, if you can walk through it, knowing full well that you're going to feel that fear and that, that, uh, you know, that butterfly excitement kind of feeling, if you can just embrace it, it's not going to kill you. Yeah. And you can come out the other end and look back, and that's where that's where the gift is. It's like, look what I just accomplished. Yeah, like the fear didn't win. It's like, oh, you know, not being held back by it. And I think when we, and then when it's like you with the zip line, it's like once you have that experience, then that stays with you. And it's like every time you meet that fear, then you have this experience of like, no, I, you know, I can go beyond this. I can this isn't going to hold me back or, you know, this, I'm not going to die or it's not going to, you know, and that's the sort of the lightness and the, and the liberation. And then once you have that experience, it's like, it's always with you. And you have that knowing of like, you know, I can go beyond this fear. I'm capable of going beyond this fear. And I know what's on the other side of it. Yeah. I love it. Um, Carrie, we, I, you know, there's so much to this. I, uh, it's fascinating to me. I mean, I think we do the same work, but just, it's just on different levels. Um, yeah. Um, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Uh, it's super interesting. I'm glad that we met a couple of years ago. I think it was at eWomen in Calgary. And I remember you sat down beside me and it was like, oh, this is an interesting gal. And uh, <laughs> do you remember that? that yes, I do, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I love so. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, good luck with you, uh, with your future. I think you're going to do quite well with your work with people and it's so important. And, you know, I think, with um, this whole reset from COVID-19, this is a, such an opportunity to take that time um, to do it's some work. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much for having me.
It was awesome. Okay. You have been listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. Have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. To learn more about Helen's journaling retreats, speaking engagements, and life coaching, or to sign up for her newsletter, please visit HelenRose.ca. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.